Welcome, I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. joining us for a trauma survivor thrivers podcast now on mental health news radio network this podcast is also available wherever you get your podcasts but i do suggest checking out mental health news radio network to find all your podcasts related to mental health today's guest is aaron vandermore she is the founder of age of uncertainty coaching where she is a wellness coach a licensed therapist mental health counselor growth mindset guru and author of several empowering books and thought-provoking reflection journals. Erin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, um, you seem like the, a woman of many titles and skills in the wellness space. <laughs> and I really like to ask everyone kind of how they got into this place of purpose. Uh, well, I went through somewhat a difficult time during high school and I had wished I had someone to speak to. Um, the counselors back then were more like guidance counselors and so they were only concerned about what college you were going to go to um, or if you had perfect attendance or not. They mm -hmm. weren't really like a sit down let's chit chat type thing. Um, and so I knew I wanted to work with kiddos. I just wasn't sure how um, until I got into college and realized I wanted to be a therapist. Wow. It, it, it's funny because, you know, I agree as a, you know, in high school, middle school, anytime when there was a guidance counselor that was employed by the school, they were just worried about you academically, not necessarily, maybe behaviorally, like, how can we fix this? But not like, how can we really fix this? You know, no. what's happening with you? Yeah, um, well, yeah I go mean, you have hundreds of people for one counselor. It's just, I mean, there's no way. Yeah, I, I my, my children, they go to a very small school. Um, but oh, they do wonderful. have a, yeah, they do have a guidance counselor. And they have guidance, like, weekly, where they discuss, like, Things like boundaries and, you know, oh, wonderful. conflict resolution mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, can you imagine how much better developed I would have been if I understood oh. how to navigate? I mean, these are things that I'm trying to navigate now as an mm -hmm. adult. Um, but I, I think that's fascinating. But you specifically, I didn't mention this in mm -hmm. your your intro, but you 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 do you specialize in EMDR or eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. It's a mouthful, but yes, <laughs> yes, that is my thing. I speak the language of trauma. Yes. So I, you know, I always talk for, for me, my, in my recovery, I did a lot of work in, um, with psychedelic assisted therapy. Um, oh, good. I've heard great things about that. I'm hoping it's going to become like countrywide. Oh, I, I hope so. I mean, it changed really the course of my life. Like I don't recognize it's probably like I'm like a broken record to people who, who listen um, frequently, <laughs> but I don't recognize who I was. But I don't give EMDR enough credit because it was the EMDR that kind of paved the way for me to have a better understanding about the trauma. Um, but can you talk a little bit about what is EMDR or eye movement desensitization 
EMDR is fine. EMDR. I, that's a, that's what I, it is. I'm dyslexic and have a speech impairment. So I always go with simplest. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> um, and EMDR is a type of therapy that works with your nervous system, with your brain so that we can reprocess information so that we can desensitize from it. I always describe it kind of like a step toe. If you stub your toe, it hurts like heck in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. But if you sit here and you physically try and feel that, you can't. Because your brain and your body during REM sleep allows you to process and then desensitize from the pain. So you're aware that it hurt, but you can't tap into that level of pain. And that's just how our brain and body works to help us move forward. Otherwise, we'd still be stuck in our beds upset about our first crush breaking up with us. But we're not because over time we can be processed, desensitized, move forward. Mm. But it's a slow process. It really is. Yes. And, and, and I'd love it if you could go into preparation because I know I, I wasn't able to just go into the a, a therapist's office and just do it. Right. It was there was a lot of prep in go, getting in getting through it and your first session. Yeah, I've ran into that. There was an episode of um, EMDR, just a brief piece of it on Grey's Anatomy a couple of years ago. And so I had a slew of people contacting me for it. And really? all they saw was like phase four and there's eight phases. So the idea of what EMDR is got a little skewed. And so um, I always have to explain the eight phases. Let's uh, go been around since the 1980s. I love it. There's so much research on it. There's actually brain scans of before and after showing new pathways being formed, which is just lovely. Um, mm -hmm. But the first phase is all about that adaptive history. It's really understanding how it's stored in the individual in front of me, your perspective, your muscle memory, how you internalized it with negative thoughts how it feels, tightness in your throat, whatever it is. I want to know all the memories, all the emotions, everything that I can so I can make sure I get all of that reprocessed for you. Mm. Yeah. Now, if there's some pieces you don't want to say out loud because it's too upsetting, you don't have to. Sometimes That's the beauty of it. <laughs> it is. Sometimes people will give me a shell, like an eggshell, and they say, I can't say specifics that's okay. You share with me what you can so that I can kind of map out where we need to go. The second phase is looking at that internalization of I'm not enough. I should have known better. Um, it's my fault. I'm not smart. I'm not worthy. Whatever it is that we've internalized and made it about ourselves that now we carry around with us and it shows up in the day-to-day which is just awful and no way to be. Um, and then we talk about what you want to feel instead. I survived. I am good enough. And it doesn't always have to be the opposite, right? And it can change as we go. There's some flexibility with it. Um, two and three, we also talk about safety protocols. What to expect. What a session is going to look like. That you as the client can say stop at any time, that we can always end early, 
that you can always tell me, I have a thought, I have a feeling, instead of verbalizing what it is. I'm not going to push you to say something you don't want to. And that at the end of every session, we have a way to calm our nervous system back down through some type of grounding exercise, because otherwise nobody would come back. Four, five, six is the reprocessing piece. And that's what everybody saw at uh, Gray's Anatomy. I can't remember the woman's name, but she was watching a light bar. Mm -hmm. um, and so four, five, and six kind of blend in. And that's the actual reprocessing. That's feeling your feelings about the event or events, thinking about it, noticing how it feels in your body, recognizing the negative thoughts and those go back and forth it's not like four is memory only and the negative thoughts don't pop in right mm -hmm. they kind of blend into each other the reprocessing we can do via eye movements having you follow your finger back and forth you can have a, a light bar in front of you there's remote emdr where there's a dot that you follow there's uh, tappers you hold on to them and they'll they'll vibrate back and forth you can wear headphones and you'll hear one and then the next and the next so it's getting that bilateral stimulation going to replicate what's going on during REM sleep where our eyes go back and forth or we shake on either side of our body and that tells your brain to take whatever awfulness we're feeling in that moment and process it and code it differently so it's no longer stuck in those neurons like trauma and it can slowly let go and reprocess like everything else. Wow. I that, hope that, that makes sense. No, sometimes, I mean, I, I kind of go on. I think it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, I did it and okay. I was just like thrown. I was just like blown away by it because at that point I hadn't, you know, I was actually in a treatment center because I, I spent 20 years of therapy somewhere else, <laughs> you know, just doing talk therapy and I'd never addressed the real trauma, the um, root. the root, which, you know, as many know, I'm a childhood sexual abuse survivor. Um, and I never talked about it. And it was so hard for me to talk about it, but as oh, soon, as soon as I did the EMDR, I was able to talk about it. Like it wasn't like that. It's like I'm, it, it, I feel sick to my stomach if I say mm. it out loud. Um, which then obviously led the way for me to be able to really take a look at that without feeling completely sick um, through, you know, the the mm -hmm. psychedelic i feel like it was, it was just a great place but not this isn't for everyone right like no this is a very tough type of therapy it's not your traditional therapy so not a lot of people know about it it mm -hmm. takes those really big emotions and it makes it smaller so that you can manage it however you need to next maybe psychedelics maybe you go work with someone with attachment theory but it makes it small enough so that it's not that heavy thing that you're carrying around and it's not impacting the here and now as much, mm -hmm. but it is heavy. I am asking you to purposely remember things that are trauma and I'm triggering the heck out of you 
but I'm doing it in a very safe, controlled environment for a short amount of time. With the bilateral stimulation going back and forth with the left and right to give the message to your brain and your nervous system that this time, when you think about it and feel it, you're safe. That's so the that deal. Brain and body can jumpstart that process of desensitizing. But wow. it's not easy. No, no. I mean, it was for me, it was it was very difficult and it was exhausting. Like I actually had I remember because I was in a 30 I was in there for 30 days. And so I remember it was like a whole day of programming. I had an itinerary where we would do somatic experiencing lecture and we would do, you know, I would do EMDR and then it'd be like group therapy. And I remember being so exhausted and the the therapist in the group therapy was just like, didn't you do just do EMDR? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, you need to rest. Like you need yes. to rest your body. She's like, you don't Absolutely. need to be here right now. If you feel like you want to be here, you can. But I think this is a good time for you to just rest. And I just slept forever. <laughs> it was well, exhausting. I mean, we're replicating something that you do in the deeper levels of REM sleep. So we're tapping into that subconscious that unconscious while you're conscious you're not used to that you know it doesn't happen any other way and then for it to truly start working you have to sleep at night yes so you get done with this and you're just fatigued like you ran a race yeah yeah i I mean there are there are people who i've spoken to because i was like you have to try it with people who have experienced like um because this is only this is more specifically geared to people who've experienced like event trauma, like an event that they. Sincerely, we're actually doing more. It Ooh. used to be just event only, but there's been a lot of research and um, some papers written about being able to use it for different forms, like small little microaggressions mm. or um, pre-verbal. So I always felt this way. You don't have the memory as a child of what occurred, but you kept the feeling. Mm-hmm. And so we can reprocess the feeling. Wow. See that that's huge too. Cause you know, and that really kind of, it kind of takes me to like, you know, the idea of psychedelics is like kind of dipping into your subconscious and fi- I mean, I guess in psychedelics, you're looking for the actual root of where, when did you feel like you were not enough? When was that moment? And for me, I, I felt it as an infant. So I, I understand when you're like, before I could actually, you know, say it, um, you know, I talk about like my, my, I was an accident. And so they kind of treated me as an accident as an infant. And I think for a lot of people they are like, what are you talking about? You were a baby. No, you have no idea. But you know what you feel as a baby. Mm-hmm. And that you energy, know, you know, when your needs weren't being met, mm-hmm. you know, when you were being ignored. And so that gets stored in your muscle, in your body, in your brain, those feelings and sensations of not existing, of not being here, of not being seen or heard. And you can carry that just because you don't have the complex vocabulary doesn't mean the memory isn't stored. It is. It's just stored in a different way. Wow. Yes. And I, I, you know, learning that kind of 
there's just so many things about trauma therapy that mm. just blown We're my still mind. Just learning too, I mean, isn't it insane? New stuff. You know, I was doing some research and I I, I read, according to neuroscientists, that 95% of our behaviors are dictated by our subconscious. So that's a lot of stuff. We have no idea why we're doing the same things we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, this is. And to some people, they're like, oh, this is normal. This is what we're supposed to do. When it there's actually somewhere deep down inside where that like really took hold like an event or something happened or someone said something to you, like you said, microaggressions. Cause I feel like people don't realize like microaggressions oh, have a huge effect. Huge. I've, I've actually done a couple of those in the past really? year or two of just all these little moments of getting that disapproving look from a parent mm. or getting passed over constantly in school and never getting your, your, um, opportunity to share your ideas or your thoughts or your questions like all these little moments that happen repeatedly over time that just create this huge root now of I'm not important I'm not seen I'm not heard and it's it's just as bad as just a big car accident still trauma it just presents in a different way wow yeah you know I think about you know I'm working because so my my person my therapist who's a psychedelic integrative therapist she's also an ifs therapist um internal family systems for anyone who doesn't know even though i talk about it a lot because i'm i just i love it um but you know i'm we're going through this this period where it's like i have a lot it's like different people throughout my life probably every age of my life have made me feel like i'm not enough right just you're like yeah. something ha- they said to the yeah. point where like you know my friends back in like middle school would be like oh, shut up Lori lee like that was like they're like oh Lori lee and I, every time people would say my name that way i would always feel like what did react. i do yeah. yeah like oh my gosh oh i am stupid right you know it was exactly. like exactly you internalize all that and then you create this false story about yourself and now that becomes your story, even though it's not really true. How do you, with EMDR, work through that when it's years and years and years? Do you focus on just that feeling or do you think or do you bring up all the individual times? Because I'm sure there's a lot that I've missed, too, when I when I talk about it. It's on the individual. And that's why phase one of really getting that adaptive perspective is really important of what's more, what shows up for the person more. Is it the feelings? Is it their body reaction more? Or is it all the little memories? And then that tells me what kind of approach would best suit the person. But we always talk about it, right? What feels right to you? Do we need to kind of chunk this with maybe certain time periods and we go through all eight phases and then we'll circle back? Like there are a lot of different ways for you to be able to individualize it for the person so that it's the best approach for them. Wow. I'm not going to make that decision call. It's the, you tell me what works for you and I will figure out a way to keep us on the path. Wow. You know, you also talk about how we feel like, and I think you do work in somatic experiencing. Is that right? Or in somatics? EMDR touches so much in the somatic. I don't know how we wouldn't include it. Right. But that's just my personal opinion. 
No, I I think you're right. I mean, it's interesting for me when I was in treatment that that was part of the like curriculum was mm-hmm. somatic experiencing for everything because it was it was really focused on trauma, um, not necessarily addiction, but there were people who were dealing with addiction there. But and I think it applied also because everyone real, you know, at least this is what we were being taught was that the root of our addictions is from a, is from rooted in a trauma. I completely agree. I really think when we look at addiction, we really need to make sure we're getting to that trauma piece. Otherwise, we're just going to keep relapsing because we haven't gotten to the root of what it is we were trying to avoid feeling, thinking, acknowledging, whatever's going on, right? Mm-hmm. That we felt we had to self-soothe or numb ourselves. Do you work with people who struggle with addiction? I did when I lived in Chicago and North Carolina, where I moved to now, they have the license. There's two separate ones. So I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor slash supervisor because I can supervise people who are in their first years. Mm. And then there's a second one that's for addictions only. And if you don't have that second one, you're not allowed in the state of North Carolina to practice on addictions. Now, that doesn't mean I don't see people with addictions who works with another therapist who does the addiction piece. I do the EMDR piece, and then we just kind of work with each other. Uh, do you Are you able to work with their therapist since you guys are? Yeah, as long as the individual signs off on consent, we can always talk to each other. Ah, oh, that's that's very that's nice because at least you guys are the communication mm-hmm. in those lines. Because I feel like there are things that as a trauma survivor misses that another person will catch. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I mean, I am always referring to other therapist. I I have the piece that I feel very confident that I'm able to work through with the person. But as you go through EMDR, other things will present because now it's safe for that subconscious to bring up these other things, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not in my wheelhouse. So I really need to be able to talk to other therapists, other healers. You know, you need to figure out all the different pieces of the puzzle to help you. And that looks different to everybody. I've had people do acupuncture while they're doing EMDR or yoga and just having all the pieces really helps a person move forward. Yeah. I think all of those things, like if you're able to do the yoga and the somatic and all of that, like, I I mean, I know that the first year that I had come out of um, treatment, you know, I was meditating, which I had never done before. Um, and I was doing yoga and I was doing my, you know, IFS. That was really the best I've ever felt. And I felt like I was managing day to day so much better. Oh, absolutely. You were taking time to prioritize yourself. You were giving yourself that subconscious message that I'm important over and over and over again when you did it. So you absolutely will feel better when you take that. Even if you take five minutes to just journal quick, you are not only are you getting everything out of your head, but you're giving the message to yourself that you matter. And that is so valuable that I don't think people quite get. Yeah, 
I agree. I really, yeah, I agree. It, it's hard, you know, for someone who's suffered from, you know, trauma to want, be like, I need to take care of myself. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because you didn't trust yourself. You, you didn't feel you were important. Other people told you you weren't valuable, whatever it is that, that internalization, the last thing you're going to do is turn around and take care of yourself. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, I, when I was looking at your bio and it said author, I'm like, author of what book? And then I looked, I'm like, author of a, a ton of books. They're um, journals and workbooks and um, journal prompts. I I really feel like sometimes just the one-on-one isn't enough. You need to be able to do things when you go home. And I've had a couple clients make comments about, I wish I could have you in my pocket and pull you out. And so that's why I came up with some uh, workbooks and journal prompts around different topics so that, you know, individual clients I've worked with in the past can then just kind of open them up. And I don't know about you, but I'm always jotting notes in books. So I just created pages for them to do that. I love that journal prompts because I honestly, I don't journal. I really oh, feel I like don't. I just I, I'm not good at it either. <laughs> well, I feel like if I had a prompt, I would. Exactly. <laughs> if I get asked a question, I'm great. But if I'm just sitting here going, oh, I have to express myself, but I don't know what about and I haven't given it a prompt, I go blank. So why would I expect somebody else not to? Exactly. Yes. No, that was that was smart and providing all of those those, you know, thought provoking self reflection journals, because I, I wouldn't do it unless there was a prompt there. Same. Honestly, half the stuff I create, I do it because it helps me it benefits me. I've tried it out. You know, I'm not going to recommend something that I haven't done myself. Part of my training for EMDR is that I had to be a guinea pig for other therapists and we had to practice EMDR on each other. So I have the experience of being a client. So not only can I help someone through it, but I do have a level of understanding because I've gone through it twice. You know, I think the best therapists are the ones who've gone through the therapy. I agree. It gives you a different perspective that you just can't get from reading a book. Exactly. Wow. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add that you'd love for our, our audience to hear? Well, I'm working on an app. I'm so excited. I hope it's going to be out this summer. We'll see. This is a new world for me. 2023 and 2024 have been my years of pushing myself to do things that scare the crap out of me. Amazing. Like talking when you're dyslexic and have a speech impediment and writing books like all of this is so scary um but I want to change and I know I won't change if I'm comfortable so I've right. been doing very uncomfortable things and technology really makes me uncomfortable clearly for me 40s. too <laughs> <laughs> well you have a podcast so it must not be that bad mm, it's it's, it's I, I have my moments <laughs> Well, I'm creating an app to help people calm their nervous system in the moment. It's going to have some other features in it. But the main thing is I want a tool that people can use quickly so that they can kind of settle themselves to move forward. So hopefully it'll be out soon. 
And will that be helpful for kids as well? Let's say if my kids are yes. being dysregulated or feeling dysregulated. Absolutely. I want to actually create, um, take the big one I'm creating and then tailor it for like school systems to use. Cause I have experience working in school systems so that like social workers or um, teachers can use this program to help a little one be able to take that breath and reset. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited about that. I hope you're sending out, is there, uh, if you have a, um, an email list, I'd like to get on that because that's, that's, that would be extremely helpful and that'd be amazing to get into schools. That's my hope. Oh, well, I'm rooting for you. There's thank a lot you. to be proud of. So oh, thank yes. you so much. I appreciate your wisdom and chatting with me about EMDR. And I, I'm, I'm really grateful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I love talking about EMDR. Anything I can do to get the message out that we all deserve to heal. I, I, I can talk about it for hours. Well, I'm glad that, you know, you did say like a lot of people don't know about it. And, and I feel like the more we talk about it, the more it'll be out there. Um, I actually, I actually um, sent someone a message about EMDR yesterday. They were asking about like therapy and I was like, you know what? I feel like EMDR would help for you. And so I, I reached out to some people that I, I, I hopefully, hopefully they, they're, they're available because I don't feel like there are a lot of EMDR therapists out there. There is not. And there's some individuals who will do like a a day training on say it's EMDR and it's not mm. for a therapist to be trained in EMDR you have like 60 hours then you have supervision on top of it there's different levels so when you look for someone in EMDR you really want to make sure it's someone who's gone through all those steps and can speak to it if they're like oh yeah I took a training I would I wouldn't dip my toes there. I would look somewhere else. Oh, um, do your due diligence. Yes. It's expensive, honestly. It took, is it covered it took, by insurance? It is not. It oh, is considered gosh. like, well, so it's not for me. I can't bill it any mm -hmm. different. As long as you're seeing me for some type of mental illness diagnosis, um, I can bill insurance. Absolutely. Wow. Um, but for me to get the training that comes out of my pocket. Yeah. Where, so. where can people look? Is there like, like they have the IFS Institute. Is there like, um, like kind mm -hmm. of like a place where people can go if Absolutely. they're looking for someone in their area? Yeah. It's EMDR IA international association. Awesome. And that one has been around forever. They have offices in Europe and Australia and all over the U.S. And it explains EMDR and all the different certifications. And you can send them an email and ask for a list of EMDR therapists in your area. Fantastic. I think that I, I will have that in the show notes as well if anyone else is looking. And I do also have a question. Can you do EMDR via Zoom or... Yes. Oh, COVID brought such wonderful <laughs> things to us. Awful things, but some great right. tools for us. Um, there is a website called Remote EMDR, and I can create different shapes and sounds and colors, um, just like a light bar, but I can do it virtually for the client to be able to follow. And they even have like little kid shapes if you're working with younger individuals. It has been such a lifesaver for me. 
Wow. Wow. So much great information that you provided. I can't, I can't, it's, it's too good. It's too good. Um, that being said, do you, do you have anything else? Because I feel like you could probably go on forever. <laughs> I could go on forever, especially being from Chicago. We like to talk. Yeah. Um, but I, I, so but I, I got the key ones out that I wanted that everybody deserves to heal. So I'm good. Oh, well, amazing. Well, congratulations. Good luck with your 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 app. I can't okay. wait to see that online. And I will um, keep me posted and I'll, I'll oh, be sure absolutely. to send that out, put that through the magazine so people know where to go. No, um, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Erin. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate this. This was a wonderful conversation. Amazing. That was Erin Vandermore, founder of Age of Uncertainty Coaching, licensed therapist, mental health counselor, growth mindset guru, and author. For more information on Erin and to purchase any of her journal books, check out the show notes. You can also uh, check out February's issue of Authentic Insider, which is out. Check out Authentic Insider at TraumaSurvivorThriver.com. That's TraumaSurvivorThriver.com, as well as past episodes of a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to my email list to get Authentic Insider in your inbox monthly. We will be back next week when I speak with author and psychotherapist Merle Yost when we discuss the importance of boundaries. You've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. I'm Lori Lee Binstock. Thank you so much for being a part of the conversation. Take care. <laughs>